Good morning. It's good to be together with the people of God and the house of God celebrating God. That's what it's all about. I'm Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor at Woodland Hills Church. And it is such an honor. I know Norm feels this way. Uh, all the pastors feel this way. It's just such an honor to serve uh, this community and be a part of what God's doing. And it's, just, it, it's a constant thing. I... Uh, you know, I, I, the way God's changing lives. Uh, just last night I talked to a, a person whose first time coming here was after the sub, su, September 11th attack. And he was, for six months, dealing with severe depression. And on that weekend was on the verge of suicide. And he called, uh, it was the Love Lines, uh, just as an act of desperation. And uh, they, he found out he lived in this area and said, why don't you visit that church? He came. He gave his heart to the Lord that Sunday. And... Uh, I met him for the first time last night, and he was crying because he was so full of joy. He just says, I cannot believe the change that Jesus Christ has made in my life. Praise God. That's, that's the bottom line right there. That's the paycheck right there. That's, uh, that, that's what we're in this for. No one can change a life like that uh, except Jesus Christ. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's just great to be a part of this. Okay, a couple of announcements. If you're visiting here for the first time or second time, I want to welcome you. Uh, there's an information table out in the gathering area. And we encourage you to stop by there after the church service and get some information about the church. They can answer any questions you might have about the church. You can ask them about other things, but they probably won't know uh, about your pharmaceutical needs, whatever. But on the church stuff, they've got down. So, And you get a free tape uh, for, for going back there, so, so check that out. We had a kindness outreach two weeks ago where um, some people in the church, they, they, they come here on Saturday mornings and spend a couple hours just uh, showing the love of Christ in different ways, serving the, the, the neighborhood. They were raking leaves two weeks ago, and we got some real cool feedback here. I want to read just a few of the letters, if I could. Um, one person uh, wrote back and said, um, You are such wonderful neighbors! Exclamation point. Even though I have a church of my own, it's such a wonderful feeling to uh, uh, have a home, uh, uh, to have you here, or to have you near. I can't make out the writing too well. Um, he had made a trip down to, to Nebraska to attend the funeral, so I wasn't here. But he says, my neighbor told me someone had raked my lawn, and then I found your card. And I feel you need to know what a warm feeling that gives me. Thank you all, sincerely. Um, and he says, may God always smile upon you. And another letter. A uh, person says, thanks so much for raking my lawn. It's very nice of you. I wish I had been home so I could have given you some soup. Uh, so, <laughs> praise God. You know. It's just about, in, in whatever way, uh, serving the community. That, that ministry happens about every other week. Uh, we announce it in the bulletin, so it's something that everybody can do. So you might want to be a part of that. Um, tonight, the Heart of the City is coming here, 6 o'clock. It's a powerful ministry of praise and worship uh, that's tearing down racial walls and denominational walls and uniting the church. We have a regular Sunday night service now, but once a month we're going to make it the heart of the city's uh, service. So I encourage all of you to attend that. Uh, it goes from 6, and you can leave at any time. Uh, they take a break at 7.30, but they also go till 9 if you want to stay that long. It's a powerful time, so I encourage you to be a part of that. This covenant, covenant relationship class. Discover Covenant Relationships will be meeting on Saturday, November 10th, and that's a class that's required if you're in the process of becoming a covenant partner. So if that's your goal, make sure that you register for that class. You can do that by calling Becky Pfeiffer, and the number is in the bulletin. Read your bulletins very carefully. There's a lot of ministries, a lot of activities going on, and uh, you want to be up to speed on all that. There's a covenant partner meeting. Covenant partners are kind of our, our version of membership. 
people who covenant to do their ministry uh, in, in, uh, the, under the auspices of Woodland Hills Church. And it's a covenant partner meeting on the 11th of November. So mark your calendars on that. We'll be staying after the service and having some pizza and things and discussing various issues. Uh, my new book, Satan and the Problem of Evil, is, uh, was published uh, last week or 10 days ago or so. If you are interested in the issue of, of how an all-good and all-powerful God could have created a world that is so entirely screwed up as ours is, uh, if that's, an, if that's, if that's an, a question that you're interested in, you might want to check that out. Everything you've ever wanted to know about the problem of evil, but we're just too confused to ask, okay? That's... Turn off your pagers, beepers, and babies at this point. Um, mine's off, I think. Yeah. So, uh, and if your baby starts acting up, we ask, or if you start acting up, or anyone starts acting up, we got some crying rooms, and you can cry as loud as you want in the crying rooms. You can hear us, but we can't hear, hear you, and that's the way Jesus likes it. Amen? Okay, that's the way I like it, but Jesus told me it was okay. We believe that worship is just a, 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 central, a, a central thing, a central activity that the church is to be a part of. And so about two or three times a year, we take out a service where the primary thing we do is worship. Normally we have some teaching, half teaching, half uh, uh, worship time. But um, uh, on these special occasions, and this is one of them, we really set aside most of the service to worship the Lord. In a lot of places, worship is seen as sort of being a warm-up to the, ser- the sermon, uh, and the sermon seen as being the main thing. We don't see one as being more important than the other. But we do see this. The thing that the church is going to be doing throughout eternity is not preaching. It's worship, right? And, and this is really the central defining activity of the church, the, the central heartbeat of the church, the thing that sets the bride of Christ apart from, from every other organization in the world is that the bride of Christ knows the true God and worships the true God. And so this is a central thing, and this is a central aspect of, of the church. So we're going to take time to just focus on God and worship Him. What worship is, we go over this quite a bit, but we can't go over it too much. Worship is about ascribing ultimate worth to God. The kind of music you sing is irrelevant. The volume of the music is irrelevant. Uh, the expertise of the musician is irrelevant. It's about ascribing worth to God. God, you are worth this. And so we sing a lot about His glory, about His mighty deeds, about His love. We're just magnifying the radiance of the splendor of His being. God, you, you, this is what you are worth to me. That's the sole focus of, of what worship is all about. Sometimes people get this idea that, that uh, worship is non-believers especially because they can't see the true God. They don't understand what's going on. And they see uh, worship as sort of undignifying. Like there's a big guy up in heaven saying, worship me, bow down. And we're all the little peons going, oh, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. And see, if you have any kind of idea like that, uh, it's going to really hinder your ability to enter into passionate worship. The truth is this. Here's what worship is. From a biblical perspective, God has a perfectly accurate view of himself and has a perfectly accurate uh, affection for himself. God is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit throughout eternity. God loves himself with an unsurpassable love. And God views himself. He understands that he is, in fact, the highest worth of all creation from all eternity. 
Worship happens when God allows us to see Him the way He sees Himself and to have the affection He has for Himself. When created beings such as us enter into the kind of love and the kind of joy that, 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 that uh, uh, defines God throughout eternity, it's called worship. God, the triune God, invites us in on a dance. You see, this is dancing with the triune God. He opens up our eyes so that we can see Him as He truly is, the way He sees Himself. And we begin to share in the love that defines Himself throughout all eternity. And when we do that, it is called worship. It's just about saying what is true, singing what is true, celebrating, celebrating what is true. And while to non-believers it may seem like a degrading thing, if you're seeing things accurately, you'll see that there is no higher calling. Amen? There is no greater privilege. There is no more fulfilling activity than the activity of entering into sold-out, abandoned, passionate worship of the one true God. Amen? We're dancing with the triune God. He, he's letting us in on the, the waltz that defines his, his dance throughout all eternity. And it's the greatest thing in the world. Worship, note this, worship, ascribing ultimate worth to God. Just saying what is true. That's all we're doing. We're just recognizing reality. And when you see that, the only proper response is to love Him, and that is called worship. Worship is by definition, note this, it's by definition passionate. All right? Because God if God's worth is ultimate then our act of worshiping Him has to involve all of us. It's the ultimate activity that we do. We worship God not so much by the content of what we sing, but by the way in which we sing it. That's why the form is not important, whether it's traditional or whether it's, it's uh, funk or whatever. What's, what's important is the commitment of the heart and the focus of the mind. You are saying what God is worth to you by how sold out, how surrendered, how abandoned you are to this moment as you're ascribing worth to God. And that's why the Lord says that we're to love the Lord thy God. We're to worship the Lord our God with all of our heart, amen, with all of our body, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. Everything that we have, all of our strength, is to be, during a time of worship, ascribing to God is, is to be Godward. Worship is by definition passionate. It is by definition not a sing-along. It is by definition not a spectator sport. It's by definition not something you can do as a bystander. It's something you have to enter into. You make the choice in your mind. I'm going to focus on the Lord. I'm going to see His glory. I'm going to lift Him up. I'm going to put everything that I'm about, every ounce of energy that I have, in directing it in praise of our God. And now you are with your being ascribing ultimate worth to God. What we need to see, this is how central worship is. The main reason why God saved us, this is going to sound weird to some of you, but it's true. The main reason why God saved us is so that we can worship Him throughout eternity. Which is simply to say, the main reason why God saved us is so we could join in the, 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 the dance of His self-celebrating being throughout eternity. Now there's a lot of other reasons why we like being saved, but the central reason we've got to see is this. He saved us to worship Him, to ascribe worth to Him, to know Him accurately and have a proper affection towards Him, and that is worship. Someone gave me some verses this week. Uh, we were dialoguing on uh, my website and uh, just found these verses very interesting, and I, I, they really grip me, and I want to read them to you here. Exodus chapter 9 really drives home this point. The Lord has sent Moses to talk to Pharaoh to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. They had been in slavery there for a long time. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go. Why? 
so that they may worship me. Let my people go, because I want them to worship me. For if you refuse to let them go, says the Pharaoh, and if you still hold on to them, the hand of the Lord will strike you with a deadly pestilence. God really wants His people to worship Him. Pharaoh eventually gets the point. Exodus chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, it says. And they said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so they may worship me. For if you refuse to let my people go, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country. God really wants his people to be free. He's willing to do a lot of stuff, some pretty tough stuff, to get those people free. And no doubt to the Israelites, they had a lot of other reasons why they wanted to be set free. I mean, a lot of legitimate reasons. Lord, will you deliver us out of this land? They're crying out to God. Because we're in slavery here. We're not being treated right. We're, we're, we're in bondage here. To the Israelites, they wanted to get out of the land so they could quit eating the Egyptian grub that they were being fed as slaves. And they wanted to go to this land where the Bible says it flows with milk and honey. And that was sounding pretty good, good to them at that point. They wanted to get out of slavery so they could quit being beaten and quit doing menial labor 17 hours a day and quit being, uh, having their dignity trampled on. They wanted a nation of their own. They wanted to be a people who, uh, who were, were sovereign in their own right under the lordship of God. They had a lot of reasons why they wanted to get out of Egypt. And those are good reasons. There's nothing wrong with those reasons. And God affirms those reasons. But that's not the primary reason why God wanted them out of Egypt. The primary reason why God wanted them out of Egypt is so they could worship Him. The Lord's saying, I, I, I gotta get this people out, and, and I'll do whatever it takes to get these people out. Because it's so necessary that there are people who know who I am, and who recognize my worth, and who share in my worth, and who share in my joy, and ascribe worth to me as I shower blessings upon them. I want a people who will worship me. Pharaoh, let my people go, so that they may worship me. You see, all of us in our different ways were in Egypt, weren't we? This isn't just a story about the Israelites, folks. This is a story about me. It's a story about you. We were in Egypt. And Egypt's a dark place. It's a nasty place. Egypt is, is a bondage place. E Egypt is the place of unbelief. Egypt is the place of ignorance, where we didn't know God. And we were doing what was right in our own eyes, but it was really going against what God wanted. But God says, I want this, this people to come out from Egypt and to, and to open their eyes and to open their hearts and to see me for who I really am. We were in Egypt and we were blind, but God has opened our eyes and now we see. And the main thing we've got to know is this. The primary purpose is this. The fundamental basis for the whole thing is this, so that we may worship God in spirit and in truth and with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our body and with all of our soul. We are freed to worship God. We've got to give Him the praise, amen? We've got to give Him the glory, amen? He's deserving of all of it. The main reason why God saves us is so that we, starting now and throughout eternity, worship Him. Now, the second thing is this. The main reason why we worship Him is because He's redeemed us. He redeems us to worship Him. We worship Him because He's redeemed us. It's a beautiful arrangement. And you also see this in the book of Exodus. It says this in Exodus chapter 15. It says that after they've gone through the Red Sea, they get to the other side, they are delivered. And so it says, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. The Lord has always ordained that one primary way to worship Him is through song. And he says, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Every person who's saved is a testimony that the Lord has triumphed gloriously. 
over the devil who wanted the opposite for you. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. We need to sing about it. Horse and rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my might. And he has now become, Moses says, my salvation. We need to praise the Lord. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. Amen? The Lord is a warrior. He warred on behalf of the Israelites. He got the enemy off the back, those who held them in bondage off their back, and He does it for every believer who says yes to Jesus Christ. Praise God. The Lord is a mighty warrior deserving of our praise. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. And then in the end of the same chapter, it says this, Exodus chapter 15, verses 20 through 21. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. She's getting a little carried away here, folks. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. They had to do it. They had to do it. You know, you, you get freed from the Pharaoh. You get freed from Egypt and it makes you kind of happy. And sometimes you need to pick up a tambourine and dance a little bit. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. And Miriam sang the song, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider He has thrown into the sea. There's a lot of, of reasons why we need to praise God. I mean, every good gift comes from the Father above. Amen? We praise God for our health. We may praise God for our family. We praise God for our job. We praise God for the nice weather. It's right. Every good gift that you have comes from the Father above. And, and, and that's the reason to praise Him. But the most fundamental reason why we praise Him has nothing to do with the goodies we receive. Oh, there's a lot of fringe benefits for getting out of Egypt. A lot of, you know, you get filled with the peace of God and the power of God and, and, and you live with a sense of purpose and meaning and hope in your life. There's a lot of great stuff that happens to you when you become a believer. But that's not the fundamental reason why we praise Him. The most fundamental reason why we praise Him is a reason that is there even if all the goodies get taken away. It's because He's God and He has redeemed us. Amen? And therefore, on that basis alone, He's worthy of an eternity of worship. The reality is this. If we, Lord, open our eyes to, to really see this. Uh, to see the reality of this in our own life. We were in Egypt. It really is ca- the case. This isn't a metaphor. We are in the Egypt, the Egypt of Satan's bondage. But Jesus Christ has set us free. We need to praise God. Amen? Amen? We were in, the, in, in, in an Egypt of blindness, but He's opened up our eyes. We were in an Egypt of ignorance, but now God has informed our minds. So we really know who God is. You know what a privilege that is? We know what Jesus Christ has done. You know what an honor that is? We know, we know what's going on in this world. Jesus Christ has set us free. We need to praise God. Amen? We were lost, but the Bible says now we're found. Praise God. We were blind, but now we see. We were in darkness, but now we've got light. We were poor, but now we're rich in spiritual blessings. We need to praise God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and all of our body, and all of our soul. We were held in the grips of Satan's uh, binding hands, but now we're held secure in the loving hands of the Father. We need to praise God. Amen? We've got reason to praise God. I don't care right now if your circumstances of life are kind of unfortunate. You know, I don't care if your environment's kind of scary, and right now in America it is a little bit scary. I don't care if you've got good health or bad health, whether your finances are doing well or not doing well, whether your marriage is doing great or not doing great. You have got, if you were a believer and a bride of Jesus Christ and redeemed by Jesus Christ, all the reasons in eternity to give Him all the praise, all the reasons to lift Him up. He's redeemed you, praise God. He's forgiven you, praise God. We were destined to have an eternity without God, and now we're destined into the land of milk and promise, praise God. 
of His glory, dancing with the triune God in celebration throughout eternity. And if you see that for what it really is, you realize this. The riches we have in Christ Jesus, even if you take away every other thing in my life, I am still richer than the richest man on the planet. And so are you. So God redeems us to save Him and we praise Him. God redeems us to worship Him and we worship Him because He's redeemed us. And so now what we're going to do is set aside the rest of this service to do just that. Now remember, worship is worship to the extent that we're singularly focused. Put out what's on the side. Who cares what someone thinks you? Now focus on the Lord. And if you're getting distracted by somebody because they're getting too excited in front of you, well, close your eyes or look at the screen. You know you're supposed to be focused on the Lord anyways. Amen. You know, uh, this is a time for us to enter into sold-out, passionate worship of God. As in the Old Testament, we'll, we'll do it uh, by first taking up an offering. If the ushers would come forward, if we saw things rightly according to biblical uh, terms, we see that this is a privilege we get to do. We get to take up an offering. Amen. The Bible describes it like that. God could do everything on His own, but He's not selfish. So He says, I'm going to give you the chance to get a blessing out of this and participate in the work of ministry. So we worship God not just with our mouth, but with, with our finances, with our stewardship. We, we're really saying, here's what the kingdom's worth to me by the, by the sacrifice that we make, and, the God, and God uses that to uh, spread the kingdom. It's hard for hyper people like me especially to stay seated in the first song, but we've got to do it. We, we lose buckets when we don't do that. So try to worship, you know, sedate. Uh, for the first, uh, for the first, for the first worship song, and then Norm will tell us when to stand up and and get our whole bodies into the thing. So, Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we ask you to invade this place, saturate this place, your kind of glory come down on this place, power of God come down on this place. Lord, let your joy descend here, Lord God. Cause your people to celebrate like Miriam, Lord God. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord God. Use this as an occasion to heal a multitude of wounds, Lord God. But we worship you, whether the wounds are healed or not, because you are worthy. You are. God, you are ultimate, and we ascribe to you now all the worth that is due your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be anointed, you guys.